welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the director of the Sen Institute, and we're excited to have with us today Lance Witt. Lance is the founder of Replenish Ministries and served 20 years as senior pastor and six years as an executive and teaching pastor at Saddleback Church. He's often referred to as a pastor to leaders. He's also the author of several books, including Replenish, High Impact Teams, and his latest book is Your One Life. But before we hear from Lance, let's go to our host, editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine and the executive director of Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Ed Setzer. Hey, let me remind you, as always, to leave a review. Uh, that helps people find the conversations we have here, all free, right, all available to you. However you download your podcast, leave a review there, a nice review. If you want to leave a bad review, go to somebody else's podcast. But for our review, leave nice Our podcast, leave nice reviews. So Lance and I have known each other for a long time, and I was excited about having this conversation with him. Because you and I talk about this a lot. You know, uh, Daniel leads the Send Institute. We work a lot with church planners. I'm working with pastors and planners, church staff. Um, a lot are afraid. I mean, it's it's um, it's unlike any time we've led before. The amount of criticism, critique, stress, uncertainty, and more. And uh, and it's not just pandemic-related. It's what are you supposed to say about cultural issues? Uh, how do you – people people are mad at you in your church for talking about masks or not having masks. People are mad at you for – for mention this or not mention that, and I don't think most pastors are prepared, were prepared, and are still not prepared for this level of um, conflict. And it's internal, it's personal, and more. So we, we, we wanted to bring in somebody who really had some insight and decades-long insight, and his latest book is actually Your One Life, and we're going to talk about it and leadership in general. It's Your One Life, Own It, Live It, Love It. And so we're so glad to have Lance with us and to jump into this conversation. Uh, let us let me just start with this. Um you, know, you you've been doing this a long time. Have you? And I, again, I, I maybe preface the question too much with my own view. Does this seem like a really hard time to be a pastor and a church leader to you as well? Oh yeah, I, I think at least in my lifetime, it's never been this complex. And like you said, pastors have never been this criticized and scrutinized. Uh, no matter what they say, it's wrong. It's upsetting. Uh, you know, somebody's going to leave the church over it. Um, so, yeah, I think this is, at least in my lifetime, it has been the toughest moment to navigate leadership in the local church. Yeah. And um, you're, you do coaching, and his, his whole ministry, by the way, is, is, is basically geared towards encouraging and serving pastors, leaders, uh, leaders of all kinds, but pastors and Christian leaders as, as well. So you wrote this book. The book is Your One Life. You wrote it during or finished it during the pandemic based on its publishing cycle. Did, did the change in the world kind of factor into some of what you were writing? Why did you write this book at this time? Yeah, I, I think a lot of this really, Ed, is, a, is kind of like my life message. And so I would say it's been sort of simmering for quite a while. But I think a couple of factors converged in why I wrote this. Number one is just at my age. I'm 63. And when you get to be 63, you can hear the second hand of, of the clock of life kind of ticking down more loudly than ever. And so there's just this urgency in me around stewarding my one life well. And, and then I think you couple that with, gosh, we are in a time of unbelievable confusion, disequilibrium. People seem lost at so many different levels. And so clarity around, like, how do you really steward well the one shot you have at this life? seem like a really timely message for this moment. 
Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think a big part of this is uh, pastors and church leaders are struggling, you know, what to do with their time and how to how to balance everything. And you know, I, I think it's easy for somebody to, to coast and they're just waiting to kind of get through this. But talk to us about how to, uh, you know, balance that, you know, not taking what's in front of you for granted, but also not being paralyzed into inaction. Yeah, I think, you know, you're, you're right that there are people who are just so stressed trying to figure out like, what do I do? How, how do I navigate this? And kind of a mantra I use in my ministry is we want to help people live well so they can lead well. And I think the order of that is important because I think for me, uh, so much of my ministry life, I was so focused on building the church, growing the church, preaching sermons, um, focused on everybody else's sanctification that sometimes I lost sight that my first place of leadership is to lead myself well. And so I think if I could sit down with that pastor who feels a bit lost and confused, I would sit down and have a cup of coffee around the things of like, let's talk about how you're living first. Before we talk about how you're going to pivot in your worship services and how you're going to, you know, navigate the tricky communication that you've got to do with your congregation, let's talk about you and kind of the health of your soul, where your time is going, what you're doing to make sure that you're staying filled up. Because uh, again, one of the things I find myself saying a lot is that the greatest gift you're going to give those you lead is your own healthy soul. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believe that. And I think then out of the foundation of that, it's actually possible for me to navigate this stuff in a healthier way. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I can at least do it from a much healthier, clearer place. Okay. And you mentioned some questions and maybe there are more, but you're, what are some things we can reflect on to ask the question? You know, again, we're, we're talking specifically about your book, your, your one life, you know, own it, live it, love it. Mm-hmm. But how do I evaluate whether I'm living out that purpose that God has for me, because uh, I got another sermon to preach, my friend. I got a I got a student ministry thing to plan. I got I got a staff meeting to have. How do how do I ask questions and find time yeah, to ask I, those questions? I think the first thing you got to do before you can even really get to the questions is you got to create a little bit of space okay. where you can think, where you can reflect, where you can sort of evaluate, like what is the trajectory of my life? And I and I know you got a sermon to to preach this weekend. And I know you got pressure on you, but I would just say, gosh, if you could just take a step back and really just kind of evaluate like the trajectory that I'm on, what, where is it leading me? If I keep living the life I'm living today, where, where does it end up? And I think for a lot of pastors, the honest truth would, would be, gosh, you would, I would end up burned out, fried on the, on the margins, sidelined, and maybe just quitting altogether. And so I think to kind of do an honest assessment and then to begin to what I, I sometimes encourage people Ed, to sort of like, you got to grab your, your, your life by the throat and realize that you are responsible for your life and that God has given me everything I need for life and godliness, according to second Peter. And so I, this life that I really long to live, it really is accessible to me. And so I've got to begin to take responsibility for how, where my time goes and the rhythm of my life. I've got to take responsibility for doing some of the hard internal work around issues of my soul. When you guys were talking earlier uh, about where pastors are right now, one of the, the places my mind went was so many pastors have to do the hard work of really settling their identity issues mm. because they're so criticized right now. And as a longtime people pleaser, 
I know that, you know, this is a tough battle for a lot of us in ministry, really getting to that place where we don't live and die by weekend attendance, live and die by the email comments or responses we get from people in our church. And so at least that would be for me, some of the places where I would, would try to start. Yeah, you know, one of the things that you write about, uh, you mentioned, is this the someday syndrome. Uh, you know, yeah. someday I'll do this, someday I'll do that. I'll, you know, I'll uh, apologize to mom, uh, make things right. And um, I think a lot of pastors, um, we 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 found that when the pandemic hit, like there were a lot of things that we had just put off for a long time, and now we had to deal with it. Some of the things you talked about, like personal identity issues and those kinds of things. Um, I mean, that's a real big joy killer. I mean, a joy robber. Can you, can you talk about the importance of now? What's the opportunity in front of church leaders to now deal with the things that are really, really important? Yeah, I think, you know, COVID probably didn't create as much as it just exposed um, some core issues that pastors were dealing with. And, and again, I think, um, you know, just the anxiety that comes with leadership. And so I think beginning to really dive into some of the issues that are not external uh, to you, like with the pandemic, but they're actually internal. Mm-hmm. They're things about like the story that you're constantly telling yourself, right? The narrative that you have begun uh, to tell yourself over and over as a leader, um, uh, you know, diving into some of the books that help you understand your genogram and how family of origin has informed sort of the narrative that you, you know, tell yourself. And, you know, I grew up in a time when, again, great Christian parents, but the primary story that I told myself from a very early age, mostly got it from my dad, who had a high sense of responsibility, was like work hard, achieve, um, and then that's how you succeed and that's how you get loved. Well, when that's the story you're constantly telling yourself, you're only as good as your latest achievement. Well, for a pastor, that can be a, a deadly soup to swim in because you know, you're, you're um, constantly being evaluated by, is the church growing? Are people coming back after COVID? And if you haven't really begun to settle some of those internal narrative issues that I would call issues of the soul, then you're going to constantly be frustrated and struggling with where you are as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this seems to be a, um, a pattern where these soul issues come out in yeah. stress times and I've seen a lot of pastors just, and a lot of church leaders just sink their ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know this is going to date me, but DC Talk, you know DC Talk? Oh, yeah, I do. What if I stumble? What if I fall? You know, that, they're, they're what if making, I lose my step? And make a fools of us all. Make a fool of us all. I mean, I, I, I hear that, and I think, you know, I got to make sure. But then I also I see a lot of people just destroy their own lives over soul issues, not over conflict. No. The conflict in the church or the culture seems to reveal rather than create the the issues that are that are there so you talk a lot about caring for our souls yeah. how, how does that relate to caring living your purpose caring for your soul how do all those things relate together well i think first off i would say it's very biblical you know solomon said above everything else guard your heart like yeah. watch your inner life because everything you do flows out of that jesus taught, you know, that life goes from the root to fruit, from the invisible to the visible. So I think the concept of really paying attention to your soul, and again, every pastor listening, theologically and cognitively know, hey, I've got a soul. I know Jesus died for my soul. I know my soul is going to go to heaven. I think what escaped me all those years was that my soul was something that I should actually pay attention to. 
And uh, I love this quote I use from Parker Palmer, where he says that every leader has a responsibility to pay attention to what's happening inside himself or herself, lest the act of leadership do more harm than good. Like if I don't pay attention to my inner life, I actually run the risk of prostituting the sacred gift of leadership influence. And in the end, do more harm than good. And we've seen that played out over and over with all the scandals that we've witnessed in the, in the Christian community in recent years. And so I, I think paying attention to your soul is foundational and it informs everything that you're going to do and lead in the, in the church. And, and I think part of that is, <clears throat> is learning to raise your own self-awareness. I think lack of self-awareness becomes a major lid for a lot of pastors and leaders. And self-awareness is our best defense against self-deceit. Oh, that's Mm. good. Yeah. I mean, you're raising uh, really important topics. You know, are you who you want to be? Are you doing what you're you're supposed to be doing? And I mean, this is a sobering topic for me. Uh, A few months ago, I had a heart attack at 41 and had a quadruple bypass. and. I think this is the first time I talked about it in public. So, um, but Ed knows the story, yeah. and uh, I, I don't have heart disease in my family. So, as best as I know, in my 30s, I just just pushed too hard. You know, I had a limit, and I pushed beyond it. And so, and yeah, I tell you, coming out of the surgery, the questions that you ask is, "Who am I? And am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing?" Yeah. And um, I think there's probably a lot of pastors that are getting to that point, like you know, after the the tensions in the church and they're asking, you know, do I really want to keep doing this? And so hopefully they don't have to get to the point where, you know, you have a heart attack and quadruple bypass, but like, think, help pastors kind of think through, like, I mean, again, very sobering for me. I'm thinking through this right now is you're, you're, you're bringing all this up. It's very real. It's very real, very real. How do you process that question of, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Yeah, gosh, that's such a great question. And, you know, I, I've been trained and been doing life plans for a decade. So there's a whole set of kind of tools around. Yeah, we, need to, we need to do that right now with Daniel Yang. <laughs> yeah, can we do that right in now. five in minutes? about 20 minutes yeah, is possible. Exactly. Two-day life plan for someone. Um, yeah, I, again, I think, Daniel, obviously this is something that you have to discern with the Holy Spirit. And I think that the biggest barrier for pastors to really getting at some of those core questions is the noise and the distraction and the hurry in their lives. And I have found that only as I've begun to create a life of healthy rhythm that actually values space, where I can sit with God, where I can listen, where I can really get clear around what's most important to me, that then I can really (coughs) begin to discern some of those things. So I use this little formula, and again, it's oversimplified, but I think it communicates that it begins with clarity. And I think you have to have space in order to get to clarity. And you have to have some quiet in your life to get to clarity about what really matters to you. What is your calling? What is it in this unique season that God wants for you? And then even to get in touch with your own desires, like what's the life you long for? Not just the ministry you long for, but what's the life you long for? And you got to get clear about that. But then I think the second piece is then it's courage to actually walk that out. I think there are a lot of pastors who could very clearly communicate and articulate the life they're supposed to live, but they just haven't ordered their life in such a way that it matches what they say they value. And so it takes some courage. And by the way, when you get courageous about your life, you're going to disappoint some people. Um, They're not going to like what you, what you begin to take control of. 
But then I think thirdly, it always comes down to your time. And so the third word I use is calendar. So clarity plus courage plus calendar sort of equals an effective life, because at the end of the day, it's about how I spend my time. And my, my, my calendar is a reflection of where my time and my values converge. And so I think for me, it, it go, you know, if you kind of trace that back, it goes back to you got to have the space to think and evaluate and pray and listen and get clarity from God. Hmm. And yet, in your case, I mean, and again, I, I knew you before, I knew you during, knew you after. Um, I think you were working through and praying through what the Lord had for you. Always, you've always been sensitive to open to that. But that was a jarring thing. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who uh, got very sick with COVID, um, uh, came out of that and just saying, I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So it seems that there are these jarring moments, and I think that's a good, the Lord can use that. But how do we get to that? I mean, I think maybe you've went through that. Is Do we have to have jarring moments, or can we can even like this podcast be a jarring moment for some people? And, and what would be some things that they should look at and say, these are some warning signs in your life. You've got to, to do this, or you're going to have one of those, those jarring moments that knocks you off of who you are and what you're doing. So what, what are, what are some other red flags? Are yeah. there blinking lights? What? Yeah. And I don't think it has to always be a cataclysmic earthquake in your life that gets your attention. I think in, you know, in some way COVID got everybody's attention, right? Yeah, because yeah. I think what we're all feeling is that disequilibrium yeah. and everybody is asking new questions about their life and their future because the world changed and it's not the same world that we had in 2019. And so um, I, th- I think some of the, the obvious signs, but I think you need to pay attention to them, are things like, man, I just feel empty. I feel burned out. I'm confused. I'm running on fumes. I think often, you know, it plays out in greater irritability. I'm not as gentle uh, toward my, my spouse or toward my kids or my church members. Um, I'm, you know, lock, la- loss of motivation. Uh, like I just don't seem to have it in me anymore. Um, even physical things like, um, man, I just can't sleep through the night any longer. And I don't ever feel rested. No matter, you know, how much I veg on Netflix, I don't ever feel rested. And uh, my friend Pete Cazero has this saying, he says, you know, your, your, your body is not a minor profit. It is a major profit. <laughs> and you got to pay attention to the signals that your body is sending you about the stress that you are carrying. Um, and so I think there are a lot of, you know, subtle and also pretty um, overt signs that, you know, we might not be in a healthy place. But here's the other thing I would say to a leader. If you really want to know, ask the people closest to you. Yeah. Because they see it probably more clearly than you see it. Ask your spouse, ask your executive pastor, somebody on your team, a a good friend, like, hey, how do you think I'm doing? And actually take the time to listen and see what they say. We're talking to Lance Witt, good friend of many years. Your One Life is his new book. It came out in 2021, written during the pandemic, which is a time of jarring realization for a lot of us. The subtitle is Own It, Live It, and Love It. Um, you talk about Jesus and as an example, and and of course, in so many ways, but how is Jesus' example related to living this out, your life, and living it with purpose? Gosh, um, kind of everything, right? I mean, I think, again, <laughs> how Jesus did not live a frantic, frenetic life. He had this, an amazing ability to be present with people. He had 
clarity around his focus and his priority. And, um, you know, Jesus embraced his limits that he could only be in one place at one time in, you know, in his earthly body on this earth. Uh, he didn't heal everyone. He didn't, you know, um, you know, I remember in Mark one, after he has this incredibly busy day of ministry and then Mark one 35 says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left not to go to do more ministry, but to go to that solitary place. And what's really interesting to me is that when the disciples come and find him and they say, Jesus, man, you're needed. There's so much more you could do. And he says, yeah, we're not going back there. We're going to new places to preach the gospel. And what, what is implicit, I think, in the passages, Jesus really got that next set of instruction in that quiet place not in that place of noise. And it was in that quiet place where God gave him instruction. And I wonder sometimes if we have such a hard time discerning the voice of God in our lives, because there's just so much noise, so much hurry, so much busyness, and we don't have the space to actually listen. And so um, I just think of so many ways that Jesus modeled the, this kind of life that really is accessible to us. And, and I think we have to really go back and ask ourselves, do I really believe that even for me as a pastor in 2021, in the midst of what we've been through the last couple of years, do I believe that this life is accessible to me and that God has made it available? And, and a, a verse, you guys, that I've just really clung to is in Deuteronomy 30, where the Lord is inviting Israel back to this life of blessing. And he says, if you return to me, I'll prosper you. I'll give you bumper crops. I'll protect you from your enemies. And then he says in verse 11, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you and it's not beyond your reach. That's so good. I love that because it says to me like, hey, Lance, you are not a victim. Like what, what you need to, to have access to this life that I've promised you, you, you already have it. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I think a lot of it comes down to self-leadership. Like, mm. will I lead myself so that now I can actually lead my team and lead my church? Hmm. You know, the kids have uh, two acronyms they throw around. The kids today. <laughs> I like how you work that in. There's, uh, there's FOMO. FOMO. I know what that is. Uh, yeah. You're missing out. And then there's YOLO. You only live your life See, once. I'm, I'm, I'm with the kids. You're hip. You're hip. <laughs> but you it's very are similar definitely to your book hip, Ed. <laughs> well, you know, you think of me, you think of hip. It's actually having teenage I daughters, do. does it, for yeah. you, so... But that second one, yeah, you only live your life once. It's similar to your title, you know, your, your one life. Um, she called the book. You could all YOLO. You should have called it YOLO. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, that a late that, now. Ex- Thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. That expresses. I don't know if it's like a, an American idea of like like you to throw caution away. You know, think Frozen. Let it go. Like I don't care what they're gonna say. Right. The lyrics to that. Song. I'm very proud that you worked on Frozen. Yeah. Well, I've got a little girl let now it too. Go. So. <laughs> um, and so there's that version of like you know, live your, live your one life now. Right. It's just like, you got to go for it. Um, and I think sometimes when you're maybe your mid career and you're, you know, let's say you're in ministry for 20 years and you think you've got something left in you. Um, but is it really the time to throw caution in the wind and just go for it? Like, can you help pastors kind of think through as they're entering into like what they feel is a potential new season? How do you discern that? Because, I mean, you do only have one life and you want to make sure that you're living it in a way where, number one, you're obedient to the Lord, but also that you're uh, mostly effective in the way that you're, you know, gifted. Yeah, I I think it all depends, Daniel, on how you define what go for it means. 
I think go for it for a lot of people in our generation means I have to be epic. I have to be world changing. I have to be, you know, the greatest of all time. And for pastors, I think it can mean, you know, hey, I got to have the biggest church in my community. I, I got to write the book. I got to be asked to speak at a conference. And, and so I don't think um, really focusing on, hey, I, I get one shot at my life. For me, it's really a stewardship issue. Like, um, you know, in, in all the moments of history, God allowed me to be born in this moment. And I get one shot. There's no do over, no second go around, no mulligan. I get one shot at this one life. So I want to steward it well, but I don't think it means throwing caution to the wind. In fact, um, I've been reading uh, this book and I remember that one of the quotes that the lady talk, uh, mentions in the book is she says, the, the, uh, your formation happens, in, in the crucible of your formation is the anonymous practices of your daily habits. Hmm. And I've just come back to sort of this daily life. And I have a chapter in the book that is called the discipline of the daily. And, and I've been lingering around first Thessalonians chapter four, where Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Now, as pastors, we like to talk about ambition. We like hmm. to talk about, you know, inspiration and vision and ambition but Paul says, what if it was really your ambition just to lead a great daily life, hmm. like to, to love your family well, to be a good shepherd, to, to be diligent with your preparation? Like, what if, what if that became what it meant to live a great life and to go for it was that I just live this amazing, great life every day, and then God is, you know, I leave it up to him for whatever the results are that that might bring in people's lives. Yeah, the quote is actually, uh, the crucible of our formation is in the monotony of our daily routines. That's Tish yes, Harrison Warren. You. Though I do think that we're interviewing the amazing Lance Witt. We do love Tish Harrison Warren as well. Yes. Uh, but, but I do think, I would say with both of you, the liturgy, the ordinary, all this sort of stuff, I believe you. I want to live that way. Yet, so much of my identity so much of Daniel's identity, so much of our ministry leader identity is in what we do, doing more, with more, for more impact. So, and you, you were on that treadmill, brother. I mean, you know, you're, we, you're, you're saddleback, you know, you're working here, you're doing all sorts of stuff. Um, is that something you realize when you're 60? You realized it earlier. You've been trying to speak into people's lives, but this is not a message that gets through to most people. So how does it get through to our listeners? I, I do think, unfortunately, for people like me and Daniel anyway, it's usually some moment of pretty significant pain and crisis that helps us to get on this path. But I would also say, Ed, there's no switch that you flip and all of a sudden you go from being, you know, just compulsively busy with a doing personality and all of a sudden you're this deep reflective being kind of person. I think for me, it's been 15, a 15 year journey since I, I feel like I had my wake up moment and God got my attention coming out of Saddleback. Like I, I just knew I was not leading myself well. I knew I wasn't healthy. I knew I didn't just long for a different ministry. I needed a different life. And that began. And I think it's important to realize like this is a, a, a journey. And I often tell people this is not adding another app to your life. This is changing out the operating system. And I feel like for 15 years, I've been working to change the operating system 
of my life so that now I view everything I do through that lens. But it is a hard, slow, arduous journey. But for me, it has been a fight that's definitely been worth fighting. Like I'm, my marriage is better. I, I am a more present grandfather than I would have been 10 years ago. There, I, I like the fruit as slow as it is to come. I'm liking the fruit that is coming uh, from trying to focus on this over the last 15 years. Lance, can I follow up on that? I mean, you talked about uh, not just changing the apps, but it's a you know, change of the operating system. Can you dig into that a little bit more? I mean, how, how did you personally change the operating system? I think that's the question that most people have. Okay, I want that. Yeah. But, and I, I but, think, I also, but I also want to make a difference in the world, and you are. Sure. But, so how do I change the operating system and still make a difference for Christ and the work of his kingdom? I think for me, the whole operating system is beginning to see life through this paradigm of it really is about my being. And I do have to slow down and uh, create space in my life. I have to make sure I have a, a vibrant connection to Jesus. And that takes time, just like an intimate marriage takes time. An intimate relationship with Jesus takes time. And focusing on things that I think all pastors would agree with biblically and theologically. And so over time, beginning to reorient my life around those things, like understanding things like embracing my limits and understanding my family of origin and how that has informed a lot of who I've become. And so now I'm beginning to replace some of those old scripts with now hopefully God's truth and the way he sees me and, and beginning to now move past some of the people pleasing. And so I do think it begins to change everything and it changes how I lead my team that I'm not just focused on getting my team to only be productive, but I actually want them to be healthy. And I want spiritual formation to even be a part of how we think about doing teams. But one of the things I think is problem in the soul care world has been that sometimes it's seen as an end in itself rather than I want to have a healthy soul so that I can actually be on mission, so that I can actually be evangelistic, so that I can actually make a difference in the world. It's not navel gazing that is simply an end in itself. It is a means by which now I'm in that healthy place to do ministry from uh, the right motivation and the right healthy environment. Hmm. You know, Lance, I know this has been uh, helpful to our listeners. Uh, we started off the uh, episode talking about the effects of the pandemic. And as we wrap up here, I'd love for you to just maybe intersect your book with some of the things that pastors and church leaders are going through right now and kind of what they're coming out of. And uh, what's the one thing that you'd love for them to hear from your book, hear from this conversation to take away from, uh, from today? I think there's a couple of things just flashed through my mind, Daniel. I think first off, I would say just again, really staring in the face your mortality. I actually think it's healthy for us to regularly step back and go, wow, I, I get one shot at this and I want to do it well. And so I think to, to stare in the face your own mortality and to step back and really evaluate your life, not just your ministry, we're great at that, but really evaluate your life and your key relationships. And then I would say, get really granular about making some changes in your, in your daily life and daily rhythm and take control of your time and begin to build a life that really is the life you long for and then do ministry out of the overflow of that. And so I think if you could focus on just, again, make it your ambition to lead a great daily life. Mm. And by the way, 
in Paul, when Paul talks about that in Thessalonians, he ties it to mission. He says, so that the outsiders will be influenced. Mm. And so if I could live this great daily life, do ministry out of that place, I will make a difference. Amen. You've been listening to the wisdom from Lance Witt. Uh, be sure to check out his latest book, Your One Life. Own it, live it, and love it. And you can learn more about Lance at lancewitt.com. And thanks again for listening to the Setzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content from ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. If you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for us. Uh, that'll help other ministry leaders find us a little bit more easily. You can also find uh, this podcast as well as other great Christian podcasts on the Faith Play app available for both Apple and Android. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.